0: Grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're a regular at our Sunday morning services, you know I have special responsibilities for the bishop's hat and a stick. <laughs> and if you ever asked yourself what would happen, really, what would happen if he dropped one of those, you'd probably be assigned to 3 a.m. preaching. So... <laughs> But actually, I volunteered for this spot. I had a choice. And as I told you before, I think the night, like the Cistercian order, I think the night hours are a special time of getting close to God. It's a beautiful time. And I love this passage, a new heart and a new spirit. You know, if we had a poll of people's favorite book of the Bible, I know mine is John. I think a lot of people would share that with me. A lot of people love Matthew that way. There are different books of the Bible people love, but I would think low on that list would be the book of Leviticus. It's filled, it's a manual for priests, it's filled with all sorts of esoteric rules. It's a book, frankly, that only a priest or an accountant could love. And in the midst of all of that, one of the great jewels of the law of Moses of the Torah is chapter 19. It doesn't get better in the entire Torah than chapter 19 of the Book of Leviticus. And in the very middle of that chapter, we have the famous verse, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Right there in the middle of chapter 19. Now the importance of this verse is impossible to exaggerate, of course. Jesus himself, when talking about how do you what are the great commandments? He said, Teacher, which is the great commandment he was asked one day? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And Paul tells us that the commandment of loving our neighbor sums up everything, our entire duty, as summed in the law of Moses. Says For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, Jesus brings what it means to love our neighbor as ourself to a whole different level. We start out in the Sermon on the Mount when he tells us, well, it's not just bad actions, but it's bad feelings. His anger is a form of murder. The Pharisees were proud to keep those, those things in check. You know, they talked about good praxis. They wouldn't use the term praxis, but the important thing is what you did. You know, we understood where you're coming from, but the important thing is what you did. But Jesus said, that's not good enough. He said, bad feelings, those kind of resentments and things, were, were also like bad actions. Anger is a form of murder. He said, bad actions, uh, not just bad actions, but bad thoughts. He talked about lust It's just a form of adultery. He said every word we have should be as good as an oath. You see, when Jesus criticized oath-taking, what he was saying was that sometimes when we're put under oath, we're really careful about what we say. We don't do any embroidering on it. And he's saying that our yes should be yes, our no should be no, that every word should have that kind of power with us. It should make no difference if we're taking an oath. It should always be at that level. So it's not just about lies, it's about anything less than the full truth. Then he says, we need to love those who don't love us or actively dislike us. So it's not just about justice, it's about forgiveness. So this is all summarized in Jesus' new commandment we heard on Holy Thursday. He said, a new commandment I give you, to love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. That's ratcheting up to the the ultimate bracket. Loving like Jesus loves. Leaving nothing back. Absolutely giving himself for others. So that's what love of neighbor looks like. Now, human beings have never been able to keep that commandment and never will be able to keep that commandment. It cannot be done. And actually, in trying to do so, We have three spiritual tragedies that occur in life, three really disasters on the spiritual path. The first one depends on how we are. If we put ourselves in the category, if we're honest with ourselves and have some intelligence about ourselves or are smart about ourselves, we will realize that we're not really loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're trying to act like we did. Very often that's what we do in church, isn't it, is people who are, who are trying to walk with the Lord, we, we try to do the actions that people who love somebody else would do without the love. That would be nice if we had. It would be like frosting on the cake. But we think the commandment, love one another, the memo we got was, do the things you would do if you loved other people. And so we spend our days going through with unlovable people at times, trying to do those things. And what happens if we are honest and and smart is we realize this isn't working out. We become frustrated. Have you ever had those moments where you say, where did that come from? A moment of anger, a word comes out. Where did that come from? And that's where it comes from. You know, Jesus said, he said, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. This is why James in his epistle tells us controlling the tongue is virtually impossible. He said, you know, no one, to control wild animals, no one's been able to control the tongue because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we're honest with ourselves and we're smart about ourselves, we'd realize the result of trying to do this will be frustration and despair. This is the story of the rich young man who walks away when the real requirements of what love are presented to us. That's why Jesus was, did not have a very good ministry about seeker-friendly. Because when people would come to him, he'd say, Are you sure about this? You know, before you build a tower, you should count the cost. Before a king goes to war, he should actually figure out if he has enough soldiers, or maybe he should sue for peace. You know, foxes have a place. They have dens, and birds have nests. The Son of Man has nowhere to live. Are you sure about this? So the result is... Frustration and despair, like the rich young man, asked to follow Jesus, asked to be with the apostles, he's turned away and went away sad. The greatest day of his life, he went away sad. So frustration and despair is what happens when we try to love one another in purely human terms. It's fake. We try really hard. But again, we try to act like we love people without the love. Love would be nice, but that's all we can get. The second thing is we're honest, but less spiritually smart. We risk self-deception. This is the story of the Pharisee in the temple. Now, he wasn't trying to fool anyone. It tells us very specifically that he was standing by himself when he prayed these words. Only God could hear them. And he was truly giving thanks to God when he said, "Um, Lord, I thank you that I'm not like other people. I wonder if all of us haven't had that prayer in some form. I'm glad you, I don't have this addiction. I'm glad we, this thing. I'm glad by your grace that I'm not there, but Lord, I'm glad I'm not like other people. So self deception, and the result here is self satisfaction and an impatience with others. We have no patience with the weaknesses of others because we've already gone past that. We've been there, done that. We have no, no use for that. So we can be honest and smart which leads to frustration and despair when we realize it's really not working out. We're acting like we love people but we really don't. We can be honest and less smart so we actually believe our own stuff. We actually believe the story and we give God thanks that we're so that's worked out so well for us. Or the worst we can be spiritually dishonest and compromised. We basically just act it out. We go through the motions. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but when you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Just going through the motions. The result there is turning our back on God, the sin against the Holy Spirit. So again, no human being can possibly love Someone else as we love ourselves can't be done. People have certainly tried, never happened, never will happen. Yet there's one human being who was able and still is able to love others as himself, and that's the human being, the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. He really did and does love others as himself, or even more, pouring himself out on the cross. It's the real thing you heard our readings earlier on in the vigil, we have the story of Noah, and I think that how the church has looked at that story might be helpful. It's really beautiful to me. Do you remember when the dove goes out and he comes back? he goes, Why does he come back? There's nowhere to land. Where are you going to go? You can't fly forever. He comes back. He comes back with an olive branch. Again, olive is the oil of anointing. Then they send him out, and he doesn't come back. Why not? Because he found a place to land. He never comes back. Remember, it says the creation, the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. God's Holy Spirit has never ceased hovering. The trouble with our sinfulness is there was no place to land. There was no place for the Holy Spirit to take up his residence with us as human beings. We're just covered by the sea, the waters of sinfulness. But at Jesus' baptism for the first time, a human being is the first point of the mountain. You know, Jesus is the head of his church. We're all the body. He comes out for, for the first time. There's a place for the Holy Spirit to land. That's why he talks about the Holy Spirit came to rest on him, appeared as a dove, the anointing. For the first time, humanity became capable of loving God. Loving others as we love ourselves never happened before. Then it became possible. Now, I love the passage from Ezekiel, promises a new covenant, which is now fully realized in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, only God can give us the heart to love our neighbors. That's what we're told he will give us a new heart. But it's not just any heart. There's only one heart that can truly love our neighbors and ourselves. It's Jesus' heart. It's not a new and improved version of my heart. It's actually joining my heart to the heart of Jesus. Seeing the world as God sees it. Loving people as God loves them. Not for the role they play in our lives. Not for whether they make us feel happy or sad. Loving like God loves. That's the new heart. That's what the heart of stone is replaced. That's the only authentic human heart. is Jesus' heart. And he promises that to us. And only God can give us the strength to love our neighbor, the perseverance to do so. And it's the life breath of Jesus. Remember the word spirit means breath. It means wind in both Hebrew and Greek. So remember Adam, when he's created, he says God, he was created with the clay, it says in Genesis, but it was only when God breathed in the spirit of his life that he became a living being. Remember with Ezekiel reading, that we'll have later this morning, we had yesterday, with the dry bones. All the sinews, everything came together, but they still weren't alive. It was only when breath came into the Spirit, prophesied to the Spirit. The breath comes into them, and they come alive. Remember Jesus, what he does on the, first, on the, on the night of Easter? What does he do on Easter evening? We're celebrating this great feast. What does he do on Easter? He comes into the apostles in that closed room. It says he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Like the new Adam, he breathed his own life, God breathing his life into us. So only God can give us a heart to love our neighbor, Jesus' heart. Only God can give us the power to love our neighbor, which is his own life in us, his Holy Spirit, his living breath. You see, the metaphor, it's not a metaphor, the description of the church as Christ's body means where do we find the breath that's in the body, right? We know if someone's alive because we can see their chest rising and falling, even if they're near death, that's how we know they're still alive. The church is where we find that breath of God, the breath of Jesus. We're actually, as members, we share in his life. It's only in sharing in that life that what's not possible for us is possible for Jesus in us. Summarize the Christian life is, to me, what Paul says in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's how we can love our neighbors as ourselves. There is no other way. So let's remember that for all of us. No matter how hard we try, we can lie about it, we can fool ourselves, we can make show for other people, God's not fooled. And we're not fooled really deep down. But God promised us in the covenant that we see in the risen Lord Jesus Christ all of that has changed. We have a name for it in theology. We call it grace. It's all about God. He puts in us his own heart. He gives us the heart. It's grace that makes it possible. He gives us the spirit, the power. His life, it's all about him. His, that's what grace is. He shares his life with us. That's the invitation of Easter. It's not that Jesus rose from the grave, which he did. Amen. Hallelujah. But the fact is that he draws us into this life. That's the story of Easter. Now, God has never asked us for anything, never will ask us for anything he hasn't already given us, or that he will give us. So how can we truly love our neighbors as ourselves? By allowing God, by seeking God, asking him to replace our selfish hearts of stone with Jesus' own heart. That's hard. It's a death to self. But that prayer is always answered to ask God to truly replace our heart with Jesus' heart by allowing God's Holy Spirit to unite us to the one who perfectly keeps every commandment, who truly loves his neighbor as himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land I gave to your fathers, And you shall be my people, and I will be your God. Amen.